0: I'm going to read something to you. I want you to kind of just sense and feel what it is. It said this, he was told by his teachers that he was too stupid to learn anything. He was sent home with a note by his teachers telling his mother, this kid is too stupid to learn, do not send them back. Does anybody know who that person was? Anybody don't know Thomas Edison? See me afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Next one. He didn't speak until he was four years old, then learned to read until he was seven, and his teachers actually dismissed him as being mentally handicapped. Yep. This guy dropped out of school, specifically Harvard. Said he didn't want to go to school anymore. And his first company failed miserably because he couldn't get no financial backing. Anybody know who he was? I want to talk to you a little bit today about an emotion that is extremely painful. And it's called rejection. A rejection is most painful of all emotions. Our brains are wired to feel pain from rejection. In fact, scientists place people in functional MRI machines and ask them to recall a recent rejection and they discover something remarkable. That it activated the same areas of a brain as physical pain did. Rejection causes you literal pain. It may be an emotional pain, but I don't know about you if you've ever experienced rejection. Somebody telling you we don't love you no more. I don't know how many interviews you went to. Maybe it was somebody that you knew who said it to you. It's the worst kind. When you reject someone, you send them a strong message going straight to the core of their hearts. This is what rejection says. You're not worthy. You don't fit. You don't belong. And when this is done by someone that you love, it can be devastating. Rejection carries with it a letter of refusal. Everyone in this room, and beyond this room, will hear this later, have either been rejected or will be rejected? My question to you is, how do you handle it? How do you handle rejection when it comes? It's not if it comes, but when it comes. If I was to ask you your experience with rejection, you'd probably say, ah, it didn't affect me. I beg to differ. It has. It has. I see it in the way you seek approval and acceptance. We are a herd people. We have to run with a pack. And we see this happen regularly. Husbands do it to wives. Wives do it to husbands. Parents do it to their children. Peers do it. I work in a high school for crying out loud. I I can't imagine every single day when I see a kid being either bullied or ostracized by kids because he looks different, smells different, acts different. Why do we get rejected? Society has impressed upon us that you have to look a particular way. You've got to have a certain amount of money. You have to speak a particular way, a certain body type, the way you hold your hair, the way you walk, the way you talk. So I want to talk to you about rejection, but I want to talk to you about not being a victim of it anymore, but being a victor. I want to have you to understand that there's victory over rejection. And it's important for to understand why it's so important to do this, because the cycle has to be broken. And I'm guilty of this, man. I have this, you know, my son is like the greatest kid that I can imagine. Of course, he's my kid. And you people think, man, I know Chris. He's a little crazy. What are you talking about? Right? But my kid and my wife is here. Every single day, he'll come up and say, you want a hug? Right? My wife is here as a witness. And we, as parents, sometimes don't want a hug at that moment. And I was thinking about this as I'm preparing for this. I'm saying, oh, my God, I'm I'm doing this. So so just just to be clear, we don't get up here and talk to you about something we ain't living. Like, this hurt me. This, you know, affected me. Because I'm saying, man, my son, every single day, he'll come to me, even after we have a fight, he says, you need a hug? You know? And I'm like, get away from me. Get out of here. And I'm thinking, am I rejecting him? Is this something that's going to affect him for years to come? Parents, you've done this. If you have multiple children, you've done this. And you probably have done it because you've been rejected. So the cycle has to end today. We, We have to stop doing that. So I'm going to try to walk us through a sense of what it is we have to do. So right now, if you need to hug your kid, hug your kid. You know what I mean? It's OK. But listen to me. Here's what I do. The reason we do it is because we've been rejected throughout our lives. I experienced it growing up. You brought home a, a B. You know, why couldn't you get an A? I was a ball player. I was pretty good. Hit a couple of home runs, drove in like five runs, come home, hey, Dad. He says, how come you couldn't hit three? How come you couldn't drive in seven? Boy, I saw you drop that ball. I'm like, I. Experienced that in my life. And guys, when you say, oh, I didn't deal with that. You know, I said to myself, oh, that was in the past. No, listen, it's affected me to, to this day. And guys, it's affected you. The way you look at people, the way you speak about people, even the people closest to you, we're all guilty of that. Maybe we need to stop right now and all repent. Right? But this is the reality of where we are. And God doesn't bring a message like this so we can be happy about it. He wants to remind us, listen, stop. Stop. How can we be the people that God wants us to be? And don't use your excuse that I'm in a process. I'm not perfect. Listen, I'm telling you today that you were rejected. And because of that, you are rejecting others. And if you're in Christ, if you know what the word says, and today you're responsible for what you hear, you have to stop. Amen? So I want to walk us through a bit of the scriptures and, and talk a little bit about this to kind of help us. And at the tail end, I want to give you what you need to be able to do to become victor over rejection. There is victory over rejection. You don't have to feel that way anymore. Amen? All right. So let's stand uh, to our feet again. Um, we want to read from 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. I know a lot of people are going, oh, the Old Testament. Well, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Without the new, without the old, we can't have the new. Amen? So, so don't yawn right now. You should read the whole Bible. Amen? So I've had an equipment malfunction, so I'm going to try to do my very best. Just broke. It's okay. Relax. Take it easy. It's going to be all right. We improvise. There we go. All right. First Samuel chapter 8, 1 through 7. Just listen to the story. Let me read it, but just let it resonate with you, okay? Now, it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of the second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gate, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should reign shall not reign over them. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. A little backstory about Samuel, so everybody understands how we get to this place. Samuel was a uh, an answer to prayer. If you read from First Samuel, uh, his mother Hannah was barren. In these times, in this agricultural society, a woman's identity was not work with her, was not linked with her work outside the home, but within the home, and her ability to bear children. And not just one, right? Like some of you say, two is the limit, that's it, right? <laughs> but they had multiple children, multiple children. And it was, it was supposed to be identified with God's blessing. So Hannah was the second wife of Hannah the father of Samuel. And because she was barren, she was rejected by the women around her, the other concubines. They ridiculed her and provoked her. And in doing that, she used to cry in the temple. She would go up to the temple and cry and, and ask God, God, please do something here. And the priest that day uh, heard her. And of course, he accused her of being drunk because she was moving her lips, but she wasn't necessarily saying anything. Anybody ever have that inner groan, that inner prayer, where where your lips are moving, but you're not saying anything, but you're feeling the anguish and the pain of what it is you're trying to convey? So Hannah had that moment, that prayer. And the priest sends her home and says, listen, go. You know, God is going to bless you. Go. Long story short, it happens. She gets blessed. But before that, as she's leaving, she makes a vow. She says, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Imagine that, right? You know, guys, if you make a vow, keep it, all right? So she made a vow to God, and of course, God says, Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. For you to surrender and yield. And he does that, and he blesses her, and she brings this, and she has this child, names him Samuel, acts of God, that's what Samuel means. And then what happens is, she weans him. Her husband is always going up to the temple every year. He says, no, I'm not going up until the child is ready. And he was like, okay, do what you have to do. So she weans him. Everybody understand what that means? Is there's a period where, you know, you breastfeed, and the baby is ready to, you know, eat on his own? Does that, brings him up to the temple, introduces him to the priest, and says, he's my son, that he may serve God. That's the beginning of Samuel's story. started Samuel as a prophet. He doesn't speak with his own says he, he listens to what God says, and he reveals it to the people. He has to live among the people, and most likely there's an opportunity there for the people to reject him, people not to like him, because he's saying to them what God is saying, not what he wants. He's not looking to make friends. He's not looking to be popular. He's not looking to be accepted. He wants to be obedient to what God is saying. So therefore, he reveals that to them, and of course, living among them, he may be rejected, but he felt at this point that he's probably doing a good job. Like, they're prospering. Things are going on. But let's look at the verse here, verse 4 through 6 in the scriptures. It said, all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, look, you are old. Everybody hear that? Okay, so it's the very beginning here or something. Okay? Like, 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 people call me old. Okay? Like, my kids' in school says, were you around when the dinosaurs were around? You know, kind of <laughs> stuff. Right? Huh? You know, they call me grandpa and those kind of things, and it's okay, you know? So, uh, was so funny the other day, because one of them says, did you have a car when you were growing up? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, good, I'm glad, right? So anyway, the word old there already is identifying him as something, amen? So he goes on to say, and your sons do not walk in your ways. In other words, you're not only old, but you haven't been a good parent. You haven't really taken care of preparing your next group of kids to take over the role of their, what they have to do. He says, now make us a king to judge us all nations. Now verse 6 says, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And that word displeased can be translated to mean hurt. So, he was hurt. What was said, it wasn't so much. It's the buildup. You're old. You haven't been a good parent. He's being accused of something. And then on top of that, it it hurt him because that's what it does. Many people live in bondage to feelings of rejection. They don't even realize it. It causes us to believe lies about ourselves and project hurtful emotions on others. It also undermines our relationship with God. Because you're listening to the lie. You're listening to the lie that you're old. You're listening to the lie that you're not the, the body type. You're listening that you don't look a particular way, that you don't speak a particular way. Let me tell you something. God takes the foolish things of this world to dumbfound the wise. He takes fishermen and makes them fisher of men. So, so, so this thing, here we go, because biblically there are many instances in which you can read of some of the most extreme effects of rejection that can happen on a person. And I said before, this plays itself out in marriages with our children. It plays out with our peers. It creeps into the church. We got to stop the lies of the enemy at the door. It's tough enough that we got to deal with things out there. We shouldn't have to deal with stuff in here. So, so, so it's important that you go in and understand that. And, and not only that there, but we have this global thing, right? We have this, this ethnic thing, this racial thing, this, this you know, national thing. You know, if you're not this, if you're not that, then we reject you. We, we don't want a part of you because the message that it sends is this. You are not accepted. You don't fit. You're not worthy. You don't belong. That's what it says. Now, I'm just talking, I'm not talking to the people who are only victims. I'm not talking about the fact that you've been rejected. I'm talking to the fact that you may be doing this to someone else. Because he goes on to say, there are examples here that I want to share. Anybody remember Joseph? His brothers rejected him to the extent that they sold him off. You go on to the next Moses, who rejected him day in and day out. The people that he's leaving out of bondage are saying, yo. What do you brought us out here to die? What is wrong with you? He goes on and on. Okay, I'll fix it. Okay. (laughs) David. (laughs) David spent most of his early life running away because Saul was jealous of him. Paul, wherever he went, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Jews and Gentiles alike, they wanted to kill him. And then Jesus. Jesus was rejected by his own. Like he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. They were like, isn't this the son of Joseph, a carpenter, who he is to be speaking to us like that? He, they did that when he unscrolled the scrolls and, and spoke about, you know, this day has been fulfilled in me. So, so he, these are instances. So how do we deal with rejection? How do you respond to rejection? How do you gain victory over Rejection. It's so important that we understand these next three things. These next three things are vital for us to understand. Write it down, pen, mascara, prick your finger, blood, whatever you got to do. But get this inside of you. Because listen to me, this is like a 20 week series and 50 hours of therapy on a couch that I'm trying to condense in 15 to 20 minutes. You have been rejected for some reason or another, by someone who you love. They told you, you're not going to amount to anything. If you were not here, we would be OK. You're a mistake, you were an accident. I didn't want any children. We say those things and don't realize the profundity of them and how deeply they go into the core of our very being. Some of us were told by someone that we uh, spend significant time with, I don't love you anymore. (laughs) Again, scientists have determined that rejection gives off the same amount of energy in your brain as someone punching you in the face. Stop. The feelings that we want to be able to be healthy with. One of the biggest issues with rejection is yourself. You criticize yourself. When you get rejected, you start to say, I'm not good enough. I'm a loser. You probably get a t-shirt, right, say I'm a loser kind of stuff. You have to stop that kind of conversation that you have, the self-talk that allows you to spiral. Listen to me. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Tell your neighbor, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. See, this is what you're, this self-talk has to be you eliminating the criticism of yourself. People say that you've got to give yourself a break, beat yourself with a feather. Don't be so critical about yourself. If there's something that's going on in your life, listen to me, you can work at it. You can work on it. You can fix it. you got to want to be able to say, you know what? That's a lie from the pit of hell. I don't have to accept that. I don't have to receive that. You don't have to listen to that. If you're around people who are constantly doing that, listen to me. Those people can only feel better about themselves by making you feel awful. You know why? Because they've been rejected. And they're operating from their own rejection. Hannah was rejected. When Samuel sensed this, I'm sure that his mother told him the story. I'm sure that the story was told about how he was born. Most parents do. Most parents have this great conversation about the love story between your parents. And then you share it with your children, and your children are eager to know, well, how was I made? (laughs) Did the stork come? No. No, no stork. Listen, I loved your mother, and because I loved your mother, you're a direct result of our love. You never tell a child he was a mistake. You never tell a child that I didn't want you. You never tell a child these things. Your kid comes home from school with the best that they can do, celebrate it. My kids used to come up with stick figures. That refrigerator was full of ugly stick figures. But my wife would put them on the refrigerator And I would come home and I couldn't make sense of them. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna celebrate it. Why? Because it's their art, it's their creativity, it's what they put together in their little small mind. This is what, and they were so happy because they would come home and wanted to share with you. Now, you gotta let them explain it before you try to make sense of it. Because there's a story to those stick figures. And I would say, okay, where's daddy? Oh, that's you falling off the house. I'm like, okay. Like, it's okay. We have to come to a place. Why? Listen to me. Because you've been accepted. Jesus was rejected so that you can be accepted. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you feel about yourself, Jesus was rejected. Took it all upon himself so that you can be accepted. No one comes to the Father unless it's through Jesus Christ. No one is going to have access to the Father unless he stops and meets with Jesus. And Jesus stood in that gap and said, I'll take it on. Whatever you got to say about my people, say it about me. Whatever you got to say about my son, say it about me. Whatever it is you have to say, say it about me, because I can take it. And despite your rejection of me, I will love you. Jesus took on this rejection so you could be accepted. Amen? So you belong. That's the first thing. A sense of belonging. Listen to me. A sense of belonging. I know that sometimes there are groups of people that will say to you, "Now you can't be down with us, right? Listen to me. You belong to the family of God. Because of Jesus Christ. You become joint heirs to the kingdom of God. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, when you surrender and kneel your life and no longer want to, you know, hold on to the steering wheel and crash your car often and often and often, and you turn it over to God and say, God, I need you more than I need anything else. I've been so far from you that I need you. When you do that, you are grafted in to the family of God. You're no longer an orphan and don't look to belong to any other group. I know that we have this herd mentality. We get it from being hunters and gatherers, right? We have to move together. I, I, I ride the train sometimes uh, over to Oculus, which is the Freedom Tower, right? And, and I get off the path, and I gotta tell you something, I don't have to walk where I wanna go. I just get in the middle of the herd, and they take me where I'm going. For you to try to go left and right with all those people that are coming out of the train, you're going to get runned over. So I just follow the herd, but listen to me. Every now and then I notice somebody breaking off the back and going across and being, interrupting your people's path. And listen to me, you have to break away from that herd that doesn't accept you because you've already been accepted by our Heavenly Father. Because of Jesus Christ. He was rejected so you can be accepted. Amen? No matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, no matter what's going on in your life, listen to me, no matter what they're saying, turn them off. You don't have to listen to them. Understand this. You've been accepted. All messed up, twisted, busted, crazy, loco, 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 whatever, whatever it is. Listen to me. When you said yes to Jesus Christ, You have been accepted. You belong to him. You belong to God. You heard the scripture read earlier. What can separate us from the love of God? What? Nothing. Nothing. Now, now I don't want you to equate that where, oh, you know, God loves me no matter what. Yes, no matter what. You're messed up. Yes, God loves you. It's your response to that love that then has to be equated with the response of what he's done to you. But God's love is unconditional. He loves the murderer, the rapist, the serial killer. He loves people. How do those people love him? That's the reciprocation of it. But people say, oh, how could he love that person? God is love. You can't change his mind. God wants that none should perish. But when you accept Christ, listen to me, you now belong. To God. So when you're trying to belong with others, especially those that are not going to treat you as well as God is going to treat you, you don't have to anymore. So the first thing, in order for us to have a victory over rejection is just that, a sense of belonging. We are welcomed into the family of God. We are grafted in it as joint heirs. We're no longer orphans, amen? God is amazing. I no longer have to pursue those things. The next thing is the sense of worthiness. Remember, the things we hear when we get rejected is you have no worth. You have no value. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell because Jesus Christ is our redeemer. Jesus Christ redeemed us. And what does that mean? He brought us back. Like, you have to understand something that's so powerful. Listen to me. Every single one of you in this room has value. You're not worthless. You have value. You don't redeem something that does not have value. You already have value. You are made, hallelujah, in the image of God. That's what the Bible tells me. So when someone starts talking, you know, about you in a particular way, you know, he's going against God because what you're telling God is, yo, that guy is no good. That girl is no good. That girl is not worth anywhere. Therefore, God, you made a mistake. And God doesn't make mistakes. You're not a mistake. You may not have been planned, but you're not a mistake. And you're here, and God is going to use you for his glory and for his honor. Listen, you keep good company if you're rejected because Jesus was rejected. These men that I shared with you in the Bible, they were rejected. These men in the secular world, they were rejected. But guess what? Their response to their rejection was not to wallow in self-pity and hide in a corner and therefore diminish the potential that God put within them. They said, no, let me tell you what Thomas Edison's mother did. When they came home with that note to say that he was stupid, she read the note and said, "Um, you're not going back to school because you're really too smart for them. You're going to stay home. I'm going to teach you. You see what her words did? It negated whatever they were thinking about her son. Jesus was rejected, but he was accepted by the father. This is my son who I am well pleased. And I, I just want to remind you that Jesus took this so that you don't have to. And the cycle has to break today. I don't want you or me to go about rejecting. You know what I'm going to do every single day from now on? I'm going to hug my son, even when I feel like choking him. (laughs) Maybe that'll be a new hug. Come (laughs) here. No, but I'm going to hug him because it's just a reminder, man. I say I handled my rejection well back there, but it's manifesting itself in my life still. And guys, I'm not the only one, so don't sit here, hands crossed, feet tucked in, saying he ain't talking about me. I'm talking about you. You didn't look a particular way in school, and kids shunned you. You moved through life, and people began to keep their distance from you. Guys, the cycle gets broken today. There is a value and a worth in you that's been placed in you by our Heavenly Father, secured by the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for each and every one of us. I heard this statement the other day, and it kind of like kicked inside of me, and it said that we were all made from dirt. So when people talk dirt about you, just be reminded that we're all dirt. And I was like, oh, gosh, okay, so we're created by God. You know, the initial man is formed, right? So a lot of people think, okay, they're criticizing you, but just as you saw in the scripture, when they reject it, Samuel, God quickly moved in. I know you're hurt, but let me put my arm around you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And even to this day, right now, there are people who continue to reject Jesus Christ. And we have to be able to come to a place in our lives where we realize that we are accepted. Amen? Amen. So there's a sense of worthy. In Romans eight sixteen 16, it says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You know John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever, that means you, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then in Romans 5, 8, he says, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You have value. You have a sense of worthiness. So when someone comes around and tells you that you're not worth anything, that you have no value, remind yourself. Don't criticize yourself, but remind yourself of the power of God's word. Amen? And then finally is a sense of competence. When a person says yes to the person of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within them given to us, the Holy Spirit, to enable us to do that which he wills for our lives. There is a power now within you that you still haven't tapped into. Paul speaks about it in Philippians, talks about uh, the power. I can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Talks about greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. He talks about how the the Holy Spirit, and by the way, today is Pentecost Day. Amen? It's the beginning of the church. Book of Acts, the beginning of the church. So all over, churches are celebrating the beginning of the church. Thank God for the day of Pentecost. Amen? So, So, but the Holy Spirit came to enable those simple men to be able to go on this journey that at the very end was their death. Now, I don't know about you, but that's some kind of power. Because Jesus said, I'm going to give you the same authority that I have, I'm going to give to you. The same power that I have, I'm going to give to you. Why? Because they were about to embark on a life that was going to be extremely challenging for them. And a lot of times, each and every one of us come to Christ and don't understand that now that you said yes to Jesus, you have to be able to fight off, like our brother said, fight off all these temptations that come your way. But let me tell you something. In the midst of that temptation, there is a power within you that if you tap into it, you can say no to it. You can turn from it. You don't have to give in to it. Jesus was rejected so that you can be accepted. So there is a sense of belonging that you have when you feel like you don't belong. You belong to the family of God. You belong to God. You no longer have to be concerned about being down with this clique or that group or that. that. You now belong to God, amen? So when someone rejects you, realize that God doesn't. When someone says that you have no value, Looked them in the face and said, You're kidding me? You're really kidding me. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Just, you're really kidding me. The word reminds me that I was far from God and He sent His Son to die for me. The price that was paid for me, listen to me, the price that was paid for you and me was not paid with silver and gold, it was paid with the blood of Jesus Christ had flowed from his body as he was beaten for you. His beating was a form of control and rejection over him. But guess what? They weren't controlling him. So Lord, let when someone says, I don't want you, you don't fit. You have no value. Be reminded that you belong to God. Be reminded that the price that was paid was paid with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Be reminded, Amen, that there is a sense within you that you can, you can. I can't do this, and you will. In the power and the unction and the leading of the Holy Spirit, He was rejected, so you can be accepted. You no longer have to be a victim. But here's the biggest part. You no longer have to be a person that rejects others. You no longer have to. You've been exposed today. You and I both have been rejected by those around us on a regular basis. So it's not if, it's when you get rejected. How will you respond? He was rejected. He took it all upon him so that you can be accepted. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your words. I thank you for the revelation of our own thoughts and our own feelings. There's a reason why we do the things we do. There's an origin to them. There is a beginning. But Lord, when we come to Christ, we discover things about ourselves that we've kept suppressed for a very long time. And you've come, Lord, to clean house. You've come to restore, to renew, to reinvigorate and give us a new life. But we have to deal with these old feelings. The feelings that keep us from fulfilling this abundant life that you have promised us. So I thank you right now for the person that has heard you, the person who has come to that realization that not only have I been a victim of it, but I've also done it to someone else. So use this time as we repent, as we seek and ask for your forgiveness, forgiveness of others that we may have projected this on. And Lord, now I speak to that person here who does not know you, has not surrendered to you, and in their act have rejected you. I pray that this moment right now will be their day, their birthday, their celebration as they accept Christ into their lives. So at this moment, if you're that person that's come into this place not knowing Christ, not surrendering your life to Christ, not realizing the sacrifice that was made for you, and you're still searching to belong, you still think that you have no value, you still feel that you can't do it, it's your day to say yes to Jesus Christ and surrender and yield Begin to live this life that you were meant to live. So if you're that person in this room, I want to give you an opportunity to just raise your hand. We'll pray with you. We'll welcome you into the family of God. And you'll come to that realization that because of Jesus, you are accepted. So if there's anyone in this room right now that needs to receive Christ, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Draw him unto yourself, oh Lord. And realize, Lord, hallelujah.